Curious, competitive, compassionate. Salespeople are drawn to their careers in much the same way musicians are drawn to music. Once you've learned the language of sales, the beauty is in your ability to personally interpret what you've learned to suit your personality, your interest, and your skill. My name is Roger Burnett, and this is the So You're in Sales podcast, where we consider ways to grow as people as we advance in our careers and learn firsthand from those ahead of us on the path to accelerate our journey. I'm lucky to get to talk every two weeks with entrepreneurs, business owners, thought leaders, authors, and people of all walks of life, each with a unique story to share and a look at their lessons along the way. Prepare to be educated, informed, entertained, and inspired. This is the So You're in Sales podcast. The So You're in Sales podcast is sponsored by Social Good Promotions. Social Good Promotions was founded on the premise that any business can stand out from their competition when they are doing things they really believe in. True success these days is measured by the ways your employees feel about working for you and the ways your business is making the community a better place. Ultimately, it's about the ways you and your business will be remembered. If you're looking to grow your sales revenue while activating social good at the same time, we'll be your favorite marketing partner ever. Book a meeting with us at socialgoodpromotions.com, follow us on Instagram at sogoodpromo, and let's get connected. We've done great work using our unique and effective strategy, let us show you how. Now, on with the show. For those of you who are regular listeners to the program, you'll know that part of what I am passionate about is keeping bad promotional products out of landfills. It's called Brandfill, it's shitty promo, it's been done poorly not a lot of thought put towards it and really no expectation of it actually doing anything other than checking a box on the to-do list of the person who needs to make a purchase of branded merchandise for whatever reason has come up at that particular instance. And in this crusade, it's my job to try to bring you opportunities to learn how we can avoid things like that. And Jeremy Picker, who is the CEO and creative director at Amber, a Colorado-based merchandise design firm, joins me for this latest So You're In Sales podcast. Jeremy comes from a design background and his eye for strong design and retail-inspired looks is really catching fire within the four walls of the promotional marketing industry. And I thought it would be really important for you to give some time to Jeremy and listen to what he has to say when it comes to up leveling up what it is that you do with your brand and the ways that you might change what has traditionally been seen as just an opportunity to slap your logo on a product into something just a little bit more meaningful. I thought it was a really valuable episode, and I hope that you get some value from it, too. Give it a listen. Yes, dude, Jeremy, this is going to be fun. Thanks for coming. And, yeah, uh, you know, we're, we're kicking off the new year, and I'm putting down a challenge to my clients. And this interview is going to serve in many ways as the impetus behind the challenge that I'm about to present. So understand that from my perspective, and I think you know this from... Uh, my book from Red Goldfish yeah. that I, I have this problem with people doing shitty promo and <laughs> largely yeah. driven by the notion of if we're going to invest the time and the resources and the effort into putting something together that's supposed to be a physical manifestation of your brand, why would you have asked that? I yeah. don't get it often. And so in, in um, the book, we talk about uh, 
competitive differentiation, right? And what can you do to allow yourself to stand out from the other folks that potentially that buyer of whatever it is you sell, not just promo, you can sell whatever widget it is. You're in a crowded and noisy and difficult marketplace, just like promotional products distributors are. So what are we going to be able to do for those brands to give them that leg up that they need in the crowded, noisy, competitive marketplaces that they're competing in? Because to me, the alternative is that quintessential closet at every company that has shit in it that they don't know what to do with because it wasn't done well. It didn't hit the mark. It's just gathering dust and worse, maybe ending up in a landfill somewhere. So by posing this challenge, really why I wanted to bring you on is, you know, we've watched each other on social and you've got such a great eye, man. And I want to dig in a little bit to that brain of yours so that when I'm giving my customers this challenge, I want to also be giving them content that they could be thinking about like, all right, well, let's refer back to this conversation that Roger had with Jeremy. So are you cool with that kind of being? For sure. Hey, the, the, the more people value good design and lead with that, you know, I'm a happy camper. And I know, you know, in the past, I'm, if I can help even people in our industry, if I can help them make a better product or just to think about it differently, my, my dream is fulfilled because I want to keep those shirts out of the landfill. There's no reason no one needs another shirt period. So why are they going to wear that shirt? And then how is it going to represent your brand? So I'm all on board. So you'll have to tell me in a few months to see, you know, if there is any value out of it, I, I hope there will be. <laughs> Me too, man. Well, and ultimately, uh, beauty is in the eye of the beholder. So if sure. only you and I believe in what we do, that's one thing. But I, I know that yep. there is a tribe of people out there that listen to the content that we put out that feels the same way. So awesome. by, by giving people this opportunity to really consider some of the nuance behind the elements and the characteristics of design. And then like, you've got a much different perspective because you're not old like me. So the beauty of this is me being able to get your perspective, because I think in many instances that yours is the generation of people that are really looking at, like, let's not just check the box anymore. Let's not just say that we, we got the thing that the boss told us to go get some stuff for whatever reason. Yep. Let's do it in a way that makes us feel good about ourselves, but maybe even more importantly, if we do it well, especially for people who are just getting going and what they're doing, this is a great way to kind of like get that gold star in a lot of ways, right? So, and it's not really that much more difficult. It's just a matter of we, as the people who are the purveyors of this medium, leveling up our game to be able to match what it is that we think we want to present out there in the marketplace. So, for sure. So, so, so let's let's start cooking that stew. Yeah. So like, let's just let's just tackle it right from where I know most people start, which is this yeah. element of like it's too expensive. So <laughs> yeah. Why is why is thoughtful design not really a tax on your return on investment? Not only do the the end buyers not understand, but our industry of how do you explain why creative costs? You know, I think there's so many websites that, that diminish the value of design. You know, you can, you can get this for $5, you know, and I've, and I'm I'm referring to Fiverr, but you know, I've used them for certain things, but when it comes to creative design and really 
trying to get something that people are going to wear, it takes thought, like slapping a logo or just taking a flyer and putting it on a shirt isn't enough. And so, you know, when I started in 2008, and I know that you were saying that, you know, things were going well in, in the midst of it for certain products. And, you know, I didn't know what I was doing. I just started my business. I didn't, you know, I, I didn't know it was uh, going to be the crazy year, but I went in knowing that I want to lead with design. My ex-business partner, he was a uh, graphic designer by trade and he always, he always had a great style, a great eye. And we wanted to bring that to people. You know, our, our tagline is fashion to the people. We wanted to bring this high volume, large scale industry to, you know, mom and pop shop down the street. We wanted to give everyone the same access to quality creative as, you know, the Volcoms, the Hurleys, the the Abercrombies did. And so, you know, I think really explaining to people is design is the first thing people see, period. You could have the softest shirt, you could have the, you know, a water-based print or a very intricate print or an applique. But if the design doesn't, isn't attractive to people, if it doesn't catch their eye, they're not going to even get as far of, Hey, I want to buy that shirt. Or when they're looking in their closet and they get this free shirt from their, from their workplace or from a nonprofit they support. And it's not at the same level as a shirt that they paid their hard earned money, you know, at the mall for, that that is why that shirt's going to end up in the landfill. So really focusing on that front end is going to help that shelf life of that shirt. It's going to get it in longer rotation. And for a lot of people, and you know, I I'm passionate about the nonprofit space. I know we've talked about that before of how do you give people that quality that they would spend at the mall? All because people don't, care anymore really about a free shirt unless it's a cool free shirt that they would actually wear and so really explaining to them you know why people are gonna wear and use that product not just apparel but promo products as well of you want it's not just about that one use it's about the longevity it's keeping it out of the landfills and I think us as an industry showing them the value of you could have this or this or show them which shirt do you like best? You know, this kind of cheesy 5k shirt or a well-designed shirt that isn't splattered with, you know, sponsor logos and just let them decide, well, there's a reason they pick the other one is because it, it, it's not a billboard. It, it, while it is a billboard in a way, it's not just saying, Hey, this shirt didn't look thought through or is it a graphic tee that people are actually, you could tell that they put thought into it. It's clever. It's integrating whether it, you know, it's their mission or, or the theme of the event. It, it, it'll, even if people that don't have good design taste, they're going to be more attracted to that design just because it, it just is aesthetically pleasing and it looks like a lot more time went into it. I have a 27-year-old son who has worked for software companies pretty much since he's gotten out of college. And as I've watched him make his journey through those organizations that he's worked for, it's been really interesting to watch each company's approach to what they want to offer to their employees from a culture perspective. And I won't name the name of the organization, but I will reference a certain stop that he made in his journey where... I witnessed 
when the new swag catalog came out for that company, it was an event. The people in the organization were stoked to get a chance to see what the new line of items that they were going to be able to get their hands on were. And he would even so much as send me pictures from the office of what he'd say, like, our swag game is strong. And he'd send me examples of pieces that people and the creative ways that they were taking items that they were wearing that had the company mark on them and making them a part of their person that personal style. Yeah. When you've done that, that's when you're winning because no matter whether that's a prospect or a client or an employee of the organization or hell, even a vendor, I give away stuff from my brand to my vendors because I want them to feel like they're a part of what we're doing. So by creating that vibe, what you're really doing is you're communicating a part of your culture through the means by which you're doing that part of your marketing. And for me, I think we're at a moment in time now because of COVID and everything that's happened that as buyers are starting to reconsider their spend in these categories, why not make this be the time where you move away from just that logo slapped on the side of a bottle to a word cloud that represents all of the different things that are the key values of your organization so that the person sitting at their desk can remember what those values are as they're having communication with the customers that are trying to buy stuff from the company. I mean, it's just, it seems subtle, but in so many ways, it's so uh, magnificent in what it can do in making just that subtle tweak. Yeah, it goes from a uniform to lifestyle apparel. My, my brother is an example. He's in the tech space and he's been trying to get me their business for years just because everything is just a logo slap on a thousand different products. And it's not what do we what problem do we solve? What is our mission? Why would someone in my organization wear this out to the brewery or to the restaurant? and be proud of it. Well, it's not going to happen if it's just a logo. I mean, there'll be some that are proud. Hey, I work at Dropbox, but for the majority of people, they want to get out of that shirt as fast as possible. And I know I skirted around the the price and, you know, the the price issue a little bit, but it really people think, "Oh, this product sells." Well, this goes into the band merch world. How do you know it can't sell better or get worn more? And that really a better design is going to help with reorders. You know, it's going to, it's going to get their audience and their, their employees more pumped. You know, we've had people say no one's ever said that they liked our merchandise before, but now this last shirt we did, people are loving it. We're actually getting feedback before people just thanks for the shirt. But now people, when it's, when it's different and when it's with something that they would spend money on, even though if they're getting it for free, that uh, starts coming in. And so I think, you know, being able to explain that and I charge, I, I charge middle of the road, but you don't have to necessarily charge outrageous amounts. You could bake some of that into the production side of, I don't, even my biggest customer, I charge them for artwork because I want them to see the value. I could give it to them for free because they're ordering enough, but 
I want them to see that value or design matters, good design matters. And there's a reason why your shirts are going to sell or more people are going to wear them is because that design first, then the print and the garment. Man, and think about how many brands. So you're a local company. You're listening to this right now. COVID has impacted your revenue in some way, shape, or form. Let's say you're a restaurant. Let's say you're a bar. Let's say you're a brewery. Let's say anybody who's had traditionally relied upon walk-in traffic to generate revenue has been impacted. I mean, we don't have to pretend. So if there's a way for those merchants to replace the revenue stream or at least somehow buffet some of the loss, mm-hmm by virtue of building on the goodwill that's inherent in their brand. Because I know most people who can't go to a restaurant right now want to figure out a way to support those people so that they don't go out of business. And so when we go to the other side of the equation, we try to explain to the merchants that like, hey, uh, a merchandise store with some great branding and some really well done products are going to be able to replace that revenue stream for you. It's just a matter of getting them over that hump. Yeah. Because it's there, it's waiting. Most brands have built some goodwill with the people who interact with that brand. Yep. And it's the trigger is they've not done the rest of the work to market and merchandise their brand in a way that would allow for that revenue stream to find them. And mm-hmm. that's what I'm trying to convince people is it's there for you to take if you want to allow someone who has a better artistic eye to be able to bring some of that style and consciousness to your brand in a way that you can turn into money. Yeah. Food and food and beverage is a prime example because they, they do have consistent clients, but for the most part, unless you're, you know, a a French, you know, Michelin star restaurant, you have this personality that you, you know, is the ambiance. Why not bring that into the merchandise? And so part of, my second biggest type of clientele is the food and beverage industry. And like, don't take yourself so seriously. You know, people come there to fill their bellies, you know, and to, to socialize and, and to, you know, get some adult beverages most of the time. And so how can you bring that fun aspect of it into the merchandise? And there's also been that, that, that struggle with food and beverage because they don't see it. They don't, you know, they don't get the web store. Hey, we're a restaurant. We're not a a clothing brand, but I've been this whole last year, I've been trying to push that even more of saying, listen, everyone now, every restaurant is, is trying to get people to come do delivery or pickup. Even your core clientele, if they live on the other side of town, most likely they're not going to even come in. So how do, how can you capitalize from their love for you. T-shirt is a great way they can go. Um, you know, the people that have got it, like one of my customers, they probably had their best year ever. They kind of grabbed onto that mantra and they jumped on to, you know, community support with, with, um, you know, pride BLM, um, a lot of the other, you know, social causes that their employees were already involved in and they skyrocketed they've opened like four restaurants in the last three months wow just because they got it they have the web store they're using in-store promotions they put the merchandise on their menu now so people can buy in the drive-through it's it's brilliant but those that don't get it they're they're going to be the ones not staying in business uh if they don't change in my opinion Well, and really what we're saying, whether you're a bar or restaurant or you're an HR department for a manufacturing company, 
<laughs> what we're saying is if you do a better job of creating things that are, uh, are awaken more passion within your community of whomever it is, employees, you know, people who frequent your establishment, whatever it is, you're, you're giving them a chance to be drawn to your brand in a way that they've been dying for in most instances. And it's really fun. Like, yep. you know, you and I are sitting here basically, you know, saying the exact same thing when we've witnessed yeah. it happen, it's been really fun to watch. So where have you seen some of like, where are the best representations of this visual medium that we're talking about? Like, where are you seeing it play out in meaningful ways? I mean, I think last year we saw a lot of, you know, the big brands, you know, Taco Bell, KFC, you know, those brands have, have, they have the merchandise eye value in that they don't need to sell merchandise. They, they do just fine without merchandise, but the, the brand and integrating it into their marketing channel is, is what is getting them to, to stay where they are, you know, seeing that people don't just want a Taco Bell logo, you know, they, they want to see live Moss. Like that's the, that's the, that's the tagline you know, how many people can own just a Taco Bell shirt? You know, they might have one, but when you're bringing in the fun aspect of that brand and creating a merchandise line, that's better than half of the stores in the mall, you know, that's a great combo. And so they've, they've seen how that works with not only the younger generation, but the nostalgia of, you know, the, the Colonel or, or things that they bring back that retro uh, talk about did this like retro eighties or nineties pattern. Um, that was probably in style when, you know, we were going into school. Um, you know, I think, utilizing TikTok has been a big thing for brands. It's taken a year for a lot of the brands to jump on, but those that started when TikTok was starting to gain steam last January, they, they are getting this whole new audience because they're not taking their brand so seriously. They're having fun and they're obviously at the end of the day, they want to sell, but seeing that, if they show a personality, if they lift up the veil and say, Hey, we are people behind this gigantic organization, or, you know, it doesn't even have to be gigantic. I'm there's millions of people watching this one guy make epoxy wood furniture, but he's, he's nailed the trend on TikTok, and he's probably booked for the next year with, with furniture because he knows how to relate to them. He was probably a no name just doing it, you know, locally and now he's probably international just through TikTok. So really capitalizing on what's trending and you know there's been so many talks within the promo community. Should I be on TikTok? Should I not? And the word omnichannel, I'm seeing it even more and more. You need to be everywhere. You know I personally, it's hard when you're super small to be everywhere. So, you know, picking your best, you know, LinkedIn has been the best for me. Um, but if you're a mid-sized company, you need to be everywhere. Even if it's, you know, on a minor level, the omni-channel approach, when people go here, they're in a different mindset than when people go to this platform. But if you're on both and you show different sides of your business, people are going to, it's going to build that credibility. And so, you know, with, with the behind the veil is I think doing live, uh, uh, live broadcasts. I've seen a lot of brands, uh, so, some of the brands that, uh, 
are doing a, a good job of, of connecting with their clients, I think, or their, their fans in this COVID world is, is the hundreds and Johnny cupcakes. So Bobby hundreds, he has been one of those guys that have always uh, valued his audience. You know, there's some brands out there that I've seen where the, the CEO is just, he's in his whole other world and he doesn't connect with the audience and they're not around anymore. You know, he, he goes live all like every other day. He talks about his collection, the design inspiration behind it, the collaborations, and you can buy their merchandise right in the live uh, platform. Uh, I don't know if it's Periscope or, you know, one of those platforms, but showing that this, the owner of this company, the reason we started it, and it's not just this conglomerate entity. And I think that's what's going to be needed. People, transparency, they want to see that you're real and that you care and really have someone to, to look up to instead of just wear your clothes. And so those two guys have been doing a great job of just connecting with their people. They'll do as, you know, a conference where they'll bring in their, their uh, fans and their fans are asking questions. And again, it, it brings this big brand down to a mind, like you're in my, my house, you're hanging out with me and we're talking like normal people would. Otherwise, you know, if we weren't utilizing this technology, they would never ever meet the CEO or talk to the CEO of a, of a big brand. Yeah. Well, I'll talk about flat flatness, right? Like direct, direct to the guy. And for me, so in the book, I talk about the, tr the trust index, right? And yeah, you know, we, when we start with weak trust relationships, what there's nothing wrong with that. That's generally speaking, when you first start with someone, you kind of have a weak relationship with them. Yeah. My, my, I've always said, you need to do one of four things. You need to entertain, inform, educate, and inspire. And if you can do more than one of those things at the same time, your ability yeah. to move up in your trustworthiness with that person just continues to grow. So by, sure. by giving yourself a voice on a channel and knowing that that's your responsibility because those are the land of the weak relational opportunities, what you're really doing is you're inviting someone to know more about your brand and the persons that are behind it, which is exactly what you're talking about from a transparency perspective. And I'm not saying you... Like you can, you can still be successful, not utilizing this strategy, but when you do, sure. you have the opportunity to outperform people who are not using the strategy. So if you're not, yeah. what you have to consider is, are there competitors in your space that are doing this? And if they're doing it well, you're going to suffer by comparison as a result of your choice to not do so. And the second part yeah. of that, Jeremy, that I wanted to talk about is, in addition to like an art director, like if I had the money as a small business person, one of the first hires I would want to make would be someone in the art direction slash producer. So, mm -hmm. Someone who's responsible for making sure that the people we want to know about us get to see as much about us as we can show them. And on the channels where we feel most comfortable telling those stories, because if you don't feel comfortable on TikTok, please don't do it. But... <laughs> Find someone that can feel comfortable with your brand and let them be your ambassador on that yeah. channel. And you will be well served if you're able to knock that wall down. Yeah. Yeah. No, no, no matter what platform, if you if you're dry and you know, are are 
not comfortable on camera, it's, it's not going to end well. So yeah, don't even, don't even do it. it. You know, don't force yourself if, if that's the thing, but you also need to educate yourself on the potential value of it. You can't, so, so many people have opinions about things, but they haven't even tried it. So why, you know, why say that if you haven't tried it or at least studied it, you should at least know about it and why it's blowing up. So, all right. So if I'm offering you the wide open door to say to me and my potential clients, Hey, Roger, Make sure this year that you are make, making a point to show clients X. What is it that I got to make sure that I'm putting in front of anybody who I'm coming into contact with in this year? So I'm going to say what, what to stop doing first is yeah. stop showing clients products first. You know, I think there's an environment to show them what's new and coming out. But so many people in our industry, they just say, hey, I can offer this new widget. I can offer this new, you know, etched coaster. Well, great. But how does that relate to your your client? And do they even need it? And if they might need it, why? <laughs> you know, and so I think we need to stop leading with what we can offer because we can all offer the same thing. So some of us have some, you know, some exclusive vendors or some relationships, but for the majority, we're all picking from the same pot. And so why lead with that when everyone else is doing the same thing? So really getting down to the why, what's the purpose of merchandise? And most people, and it's a, it's a rhetorical question in a way because most people don't have a clue. Right. They're just like, well, that's just what you do. We make shirts, we make stuff for our audience. So digging in to lead, like what is your, with money being shorter, maybe budgets being less is what is your driving force? What is your sales and marketing goals? Because people see, well, merch is over here and we got sales and marketing. Merch should be a channel of sales and marketing, period. It needs to be a, a way to get your brand out there. When you're doing pay-per-click ads, merchandise should get the same, if not more, investment into that. So really, if, if you're dealing with a buyer or just the procurement department, how can you integrate, get the marketing team or someone in that space to come into the conversation? Because it's not just about making a shirt. It's how can this shirt extend our brand, you know, forward our mission. And so I think the brand awareness goals and, and most people don't think about it that way, but like, how, how can you use this product to extend your brand? Yeah. You can give it to employees, but you want to get into the hands of your fans, your consumers. And it's not the product that's first, it's those goals. It's the creative. And then the products are, are, are supporting the creative mission and the creative goals. And so when, when you're approaching, you know, a, 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 someone in the tech company, you need to curate something very different than if you're going to a local nonprofit. So I think giving people those ideas, like you said, if you have an art director, even if you don't have in-house creative, you can hire someone to help you with that. There's plenty of websites, but even local graphic freelance designers that would love to work with 
you know, a, a, a bigger company to help you accomplish those goals. So, you know, start with your top 20 client or top 20% of your clients of, Hey, this is what we see for your brand in 2021. And don't just do logo drops, study their website, find out what their, their, their goals are. Look at their social media. Like so many people design without even knowing who their audience is. So you have to do that research up front to win. You present them even a, a product pitch or whatever, or a, um, a merchandise pitch of, Hey, we, this is the why behind of what we've put together and their logo becomes secondary and their mission or, or values. Like you were saying is, is leading that. And it gives them those ideas while they might not want that product that you put as a merch collection, it gets their gears rolling to say, wow, they've, they've actually put some work into it instead of just giving me a catalog Ultimately, what I think we're all yeah. trying to do is get to the point where that client says to themselves when they're thinking about what an activation is going to look like, hey, I wonder how merchandise would fit into this. We yeah. should probably give Roger or Jeremy or you know, somebody a call and tell them what we're trying to accomplish so that we can at least get some information from them with respect to what might fit. So if you don't have a good mechanism in place to make this migration towards I've got people that can work with me to come up with things that I can go show them to get them excited about their brand. Then now is the time you're actually, you're running, you're running out of time really. So it's really like the time is now for you to be able to do that. So if, if we were going to point people towards some places that they could go find resources to help them on this journey towards sharpening up this part of their game, what would be some of your suggestions that people might do? I mean, my number one is Pinterest. It, it is uh, a visual collection. It's a library and it's searchable. So you don't even have to necessarily know what's cool to find what's cool on Pinterest, creating boards that what do we sell? First and foremost, you know, we have, we have design, we have, uh, screen printing, we have embroidery, we have headwear. You're fine. You can find what all the big brands are doing and put it on one little board to now have some inspiration to show your client. That is the easiest way because then it, even if you don't have the in-house creative, your freelancer say, Hey, John, I have this board. We would like something inspired by this board or by this style. It's really easy to, you don't, and then you let the creative do the creative thing. But Pinterest has been, I have private boards with customers. So instead of me waiting on them to tell me what they want, I'm constantly, when I see something that I know could fit their brand, I'll add it to that. They can see it as well. Even if they don't have a Pinterest, I'll screenshot it every, every month or so and say, Hey, I just found some cool inspiration from, you know, the retail space that I think would fit your brand. That Pinterest is, is my number one. If you ever go, you can just go follow my boards. You don't even have to do your own, go follow my boards. And there's thousands and thousands of images that you can pull to help inspire your clients. Another one that is kind of under the radar, but it's very design focus. It's not recipes and DIY birdhouses. It's designspiration.com. 
work with professionals. If you don't have someone on your team, hire someone. There's plenty of people right now looking for work and their rates are going to be a lot lower than they might've been last year. You have two customers. You have your customer that's buying the merch and then their customer who's wearing the merch. And you need to think about both. You can't just think about one. Things that we didn't really expect to do what they did blew up like crazy. Nice. And it wasn't because it was a good price. Never. Not one time. It was people saying, that is sick. That is dope. That's the sweetest thing I've ever seen. How do I get one of those? Or, oh, the story behind that is so compelling. I feel like I have to be a part of it. Those were the two yeah. things. Awesome. More so than ever, I believe, are the ways that we as, even in B2B, right? We're talking a lot about B2C tactics, but it's B2B time. And you yeah. can employ these strategies in a B2B setting in a way that's very similar to what I talked about with my son and the company that he worked at. You can build equity in your own brand, regardless of what kind of business you're in, if you make the decision that that's what you want to do. Yeah. And, and if we can leave it with anything, I think we should leave it right there. The notion of, if you don't believe you have the ability yourself to do that, then it's time for you to find people to help you make that come to life. And Jeremy yep. is one of the best people I know to make that happen. So yeah. Jeremy, how do people get a hold of you if they want to learn more about what it is that you guys do? Jeremy Picker in LinkedIn, but then Twitter, JW Picker, um, same on Instagram, same, uh, same on, on Pinterest. Jeremy Picker brought the heat on this episode. I surely hope that you were able to take some nuggets of value out of the value of good design, understanding how to justify the cost of good design, understanding how to be able to proactively communicate what you're capable of being able to give a customer when they don't even know what it is that they're looking for yet from a way for them to be able to make their brands stand out against the competition. I thought this was just a great episode. I hope you did too. Stay tuned in two weeks for another Sawyer in Sales podcast. Until then, this is Roger signing out.